Let's kick the week off right. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, where for today's episode, we will be discussing football, the NFL draft with PFF's own Austin Gale, and what would be a field draft? What would you compare and, you know, go back and forth with what's a field draft? You know, we'll talk about that as well. Cody, it's Monday. Start the show off right. Are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. And for today's episode, it's all draft, right? It's all draft, all mm. NFL draft. And we will be discussing the NFL draft. Sleepers, good late round talents, deep positions with Austin Gale of PFF. And definitely make sure you are checking out the Hutch podcast where PFF's own Austin Gale is following Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the potential number one overall pick in a four-part series. Cody, what will be a failed draft for Houston where once the final pick is pick chosen, we evaluate the draft and we say, you know what? Maybe the Houston Texans could have did better. Maybe the Houston Texans didn't necessarily get the value of players that they actually need uh, during this draft what would you consider a failed draft? And for me, I would say overdrafting players that you may have had the opportunity to get later in the draft for players that were BPA, best player available. And you maybe skipped over that player unless it was a need for a player that you could have definitely waited on, which is why I think when we talk about running back, that's one of those positions where I say, well, you may could have waited later in the draft and didn't overdraft on that. When we talk about maybe the possibility of Houston drafting a tight end, you may have the opportunity to get that later in the draft. You do not want to overdraft positions that aren't priority for what your team is lacking at this time. I do agree with your statement about waiting to draft a tight end because I do believe that the Texans do have something special in Brevin Jordan. I'm excited to see what the future has in store for him. But, John, me personally, I would say I wouldn't automatically give the Texans a a draft grade as soon as that final card is in. But what I would say – If we get to week, let's say, 7, 8, or 9 of the 2022 NFL season and picks number 3, 13, and 37 has not made an immediate impact on this organization, then I'm going to say this was a failed draft. And I say that because I've been saying this ever since the 2021 season came to an end, especially after we departed from Deshaun Watson. This is the most important draft in franchise history. I cannot think of another draft where so much was on the line for the Texans that will determine whether or not this rebuild is going to be a success. And yes, 
you have some talent already on this on this roster, especially considering the promise that Davis Mill has showcased. But let's say if you pick um, Chris Olave at pick number thirteen, and he's looking worse than than Nico Collins, then that's going to be a concern. Um, say if you pick Kevon Thibodeau at number three. And next thing you know, his spot is he he's not in the rotation. He's he's just a situational type of defensive end. That's going to be a, an alarming concern. So for me, like I just mentioned, it's all about how these guys play throughout the season. But those first three picks are going to be very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you put it that way. You know, I, I can sit here and talk all day about overdrafting underdrafting, not getting best player available. But the fact of the matter is, hey, all this takes time. Hmm. All of this takes time. Even even in a in the you know point that you made of if we're sitting between week eight to ten and you know there's no immediate impact from some of these players which isn't out of this realm. We've seen top five, top 15 players have immediate impact for their franchises Mm -hmm. their rookie season. So it's not like we have to just play the waiting game if we're talking about a field draft right now. And I do believe every draft needs three years to kind of see its full course out. But you're absolutely right. Hey, you draft at number three. I need you to come in day one unless there's an injury that takes place, which we don't wish upon no player. Then I need to see some improvement in some part of this team, whether that's secondary at cornerback, whether that's the wide receiver core, whether that's uh, getting after the quarterback, whether that's protecting your quarterback. Something definitely needs to be a little bit better. Is it fair to judge it that way? And it seems like you're going to say yes, but that came to my mind only because I take a look at what the class of 2021 had an opportunity to do here in Houston. And they had the worst draft capital out the entire league. And every single one of those rookies came in and made a a, a positive impact, showed a lot of promise, and they have kind of established themselves to be foundational pieces. So that's why when I'm taking a look at that and I compare it to what could possibly be in 2022, knowing that as of right now, unless there's some trades involved, you have two picks in the first first round. You have pick number number 37, a high second round pick. It's like I should definitely expect to see some immediately impact. And I understand that, one, the draft is nothing but a gamble. And, two, sometimes no matter where these guys fall, no matter if they're the first pick or Mr. Irrelevant, sometimes it takes some of these players a long time to find their footing in the league. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. But uh, I think you what you just said, hey, we saw Davis Mills have some positive impact, saw some negative, saw some positive. We saw Ron Lopez, who may have been the more consistent rookie last season, have mm-hmm. uh, you know great moments for Houston. Brevin Jordan had some positive moments. Garrett Wallow, whenever he had an opportunity to play football uh, for the Houston Texans, whether that be special teams, whether that had been the game where he stepped in for some of the linebackers that were out due to injury, hey, he also had some positive impact. So I think that for Houston, for the first time that they've actually had an opportunity to pick this high since 2014 – and since 2004, this is the first time they was able to draft in the first round twice. Yo, yeah, we need something that we can, you know, kind of base on for the future in the first 10 weeks of the season. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your spending stats and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and actions because BetOnline is where the game starts. Now joining the show is PFF's Director of Content and co-host of Tailgate, Austin Gale. PFF is releasing a four-part episode podcast series with projected number one overall pick Aiden Hutchison titled Hutch on Wednesday, April 13th, including 50-plus interviews with some of the most prominent voices in college football and the NFL draft space. Be sure to subscribe and listen to Hutch wherever you find your podcast. Austin Gale, welcome to the Locked On Texan Show. Let's start the talk. Let's start the conversation. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. And before we really kind of get into everything, how has following Aiden Hutchinson been for you? It's been insane, man. I'm super excited to release this project. It's been a, a phenomenal ride working with him and his family and all the interviews, right? Jim Harbaugh, John, you know, J- Don Brown, his former defensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, uh, the Michigan OC, and, and teammates like Quiddy Pay and, and Josh Ross, Andre Anthony. It's been awesome to get perspectives from so many different people on what could be the number one overall pick, right? I think it's always interesting to see what the human is, right? Because you always look at the right. – the athlete, what he does on the football field, the production, but when you actually talk to him and figure out, you know, what, what makes him tick and all that stuff, I think it's been a phenomenal ride. I would encourage everyone to check it out wherever they get their podcast. It's called Hutch. Uh, you can also find it on PFF's YouTube channel. What has been your biggest takeaway from following Aiden Hutchison so far? I think the biggest thing is the consistency, right? I think anyone you talk to is just so adamant that he has – the highest level of character, highest level of work ethic. He's an elite athlete. He has elite measurables at six foot five, two sixty. He has insane production, right? In the Big Ten, he's the highest graded player in all of college football according to PFF. Fifteen pressures against Ohio State. You know, everyone who says the reason that Michigan had the season that they did, it was a lot of that was because of Aiden. Aiden, and not just his impact, you know, in between the whistles, but also his leadership and and really his decision to come back and all that stuff. So it's crazy to hear whether you're talking to his dad or you're talking to one of his teammates, you know, how much people appreciate him and appreciate his demeanor and his work ethic and his production and all that stuff. So there's a lot of support for him. And I think um, it's because he's a really good person, right? He's a really good person that wants to have a ton of success in this league and, and knows how hard it's going to be, right? Doesn't take anything for granted. Is very humbled in that way, but confident in himself too. So I, I'm excited to see him go on to the NFL and it's been awesome to just be a part of his story. Austin, you just said two words that I want to expand on very quickly, and that was highest rated in terms of PFF and how you guys grade. Before we actually get into the meat of the show here in our conversation for today, can you explain the job of PFF and what goes into getting those grades for the players and its analytics? Yeah, absolutely. So PFF was founded by Neil Hornsby a long time ago, and his whole goal was to collect analyze and you know put forth data that's more predictive than what we had 20 years ago right like yards per carry touchdowns receptions sacks tackles for loss you know it wasn't enough to really properly evaluate a player right if a receiver drops a ball should the quarterback's pass rating be affected should his completion percentage be affected if a defensive back 
oh, gets a pick or, or drops a pick, should that quarterback be negatively graded for that situation? If a quarter, you know, if a pass rusher gets a pressure but not a sack because the ball comes out quickly, is are we grading that? Are we evaluating that? And I think not only is that new data that we have, things like pressures, drops, force missed tackles, missed tackles on defense. Um, not only are we getting descriptive data of how players are performing, but we're also getting really predictive data, right? And that's all that PFF is trying to do with its data. It's trying to create more data points, more analysis, more analytics that is predictive in helping predict future outcomes, right? If, whether you're a GM trying to figure out who you should draft or who you should trade for or who you should cut or sign in for agency or a fantasy football player trying to figure out if Justin Jefferson is going to go over 100 yards, you know, PFF's data oftentimes is more predictive than a lot of the other data you can have access to. Things like routes run, target rate, you know, these things that we just weren't talking about 15, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. You know, PFF has been at the forefront of just asking more of people watching football. And I think it's led to immerse, you know, more immersion in the sport and, and more people interested in the game. And I think uh, they've been a big part of more teams going it, going forward on fourth down, more, more teams factoring in data in the pre-draft process and in the free agency process. So I think it's been special to see. And I think we're only going to continue to grow as we develop into other sports and, and so forth. PFF has saved, I'm sure, a lot of people uh, in fantasy bets this year uh, due to the analytics and grades. But I definitely want to focus a little bit on Houston. Uh, Houston is in a position they haven't been in since 2004 with two first-round picks. It's been a very long time since we had a first-round pick here in Houston, but let alone two. What are players you have graded uh, that makes the most sense for Houston at 3-13? and 13? I think at three, they should be locking into either a blue chip offensive tackle prospect. That's Evan Neal, Ikiakuanu, Charles Cross, whoever their favorite is of that group, or an edge player, right? If Aiden Hutchinson falls that far, I think that's a value pick. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a value pick at three. I like uh, Trayvon Walker at third overall. I think one of those two positions at three overall is where they should go. I don't like some of the mock drafts where you see them go corner or safety like Kyle Hamilton, defensive tackle you've even seen here and there. I I'm more into, hey, go get a tackle. Go get an edge defender if you're going to pass on this quarterback class. And I think it's smart to do so, right? They're already not pot committed to Davis Mills, but I think giving him another year uh, with the investment that they have and looking ahead to 2023 with all the draft capital they have from the Deshaun Watson trade, they look they can look ahead to a better quarterback class in upcoming seasons. And then at 13, that's where I think you don't have to attack those you know high positional value, right? I don't think there's going to be an overly talented offensive tackle there at 13. I don't think there's going to be you know an edge player worth that fit. I think there's you know the top three, three or four edge players could come off the board in the first 12 picks. But I think at 13, what I really like to see them do is if George Karloftis is there of Purdue, I think that's a good investment. And say they do go offensive tackle at three. I think going Jordan Davis of Georgia at 13, Kyle Hamilton of Notre Dame at 13. They can go a lot of different ways, right? Wide receiver, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave at 13. I think the ones I don't like, I don't like off-ball linebacker at 13. I don't think that – I think it's too rich for me. Um, but I really do think that the Houston Texans would be smart to go offensive tackle or edge at three. And then, you know, maybe if George Karloftis is there, you double dip and go grab or, or grab an edge at, at 13. But I think more importantly, get a really good football player. And I think Derek Stingley could be there. Kyle Hamilton could be there. Jordan Davis, they're in a really prime spot to get a, a really good football player at 13 as well. You think Kyle Hamilton and Jordan Davis will slip out of the top 10? I think there's a good chance, right? I, I think Jordan Davis is over under prop right now is 13 and a half. If you look at DraftKings Sportsbook. So he, you know, the market is considering that as like that tipping point. And then for Kyle Hamilton, I think it's minus money that he goes over eight and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets past you know, the Jets at 10, you know, Washington Commanders at 11. And at that point, you know, you're getting closer and closer to an opportunity at getting him at 13. 
Okay. The Texans have been linked to players like Ahmad Sauce Gardner, right? He's had a visit with the Houston Texans. Thibodeau has had his visit with the Houston Texans. Trayvon Walker just had a visit with the Houston Texans as well. But I'd like to ask you about Gardner. According to PFF, from August to now, his draft trend was as low as 26 and now has him ranked as a, as a top five. What's been your thoughts on why he's been able to increase his draft stock? I think the big piece for Trayvon Walker is obviously he's a freaky athlete, right? I think he comps athletically to Trayvon, uh, to Miles Garrett. I think Trayvon Walker is very similar from a length, athleticism, explosiveness, all that stuff perspective to Miles Garrett. Now he just doesn't have the experience experience or the production that Miles Garrett had coming out of Texas A&M, right? He has not played a lot of true edge alignments. He's played head up or inside the tackle a lot in his career. You know, you look at compared to Aiden Hutchinson, he has a third of the career defensive snaps at pure outside the tackle alignments. And he doesn't have the production either, right? I don't think his pass rush <clears throat> are at all polished. I think he needs to develop a ton as a pass rusher at the next level. Is he a good run defender now? Absolutely. Is he a freaky, freaky athlete right now? Absolutely. What he could be in the NFL is, better than Aiden Hutchinson, better than Kayvon Thibodeau, better than some of these other guys. He's just not it right now. And I think teams will look to bet on his upward trajectory, bet on putting him in a position where he doesn't have to play the run. He gets more two-way two -way goes and uh, on the edge and isn't asked to you know, fit the run first and, and really rush the passer on passing downs. There's a really good chance he explodes in the NFL and you see his trajectory just shoot up. And I think that's what teams will bank on, right? You're not getting Trayvon Walker outside the top five is because he's one of the rarest human beings to ever walk the earth, right, from a size athleticism standpoint. And those, those guys that have uncoachable traits, uncoachable measurables, often, oftentimes are drafted because of that, knowing that those type of measurables often lead to Hall of Fame potential. Can you speak to Gardner's uh, projected uh, draft rate? Because that was the original question of, you know, at the beginning he was drafted, he was going to be drafted between 25 to 32, but now he's projected to go around the top five. What has happened with his trend in the last couple of months? I think people are catching up. I think Ahmad Gardner is a lot to go inside the top 10. I, I would be stunned to see him get past the Jets at 10, right? And that doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter who they take it for. Say it's Thibodeau or a receiver or whoever it is or an offensive tackle. I think Stingley's – or not Stingley. Ahmad Gardner's floor is 10. Now, could he go as high as three to the Houston Texans? Sure. I think the value makes more sense, right, at 10. I, I like him in that 8 to 10 range, whether it's – Atlanta, Seattle, the Jets, Washington. He's got to come off the board in that range, in my opinion. I think he's just that good of a football player. Physical, tough, um, you know, long, has all these traits that you really look for at the cornerback position. And also just really good press skills. And in a league where everyone's looking for press cornerbacks, this is, guy is like one of one in that area. Is Derek Stingley better? Maybe. I, I, I like Stingley a lot, and I think he is the most scheme-versatile cornerback in this class with great athleticism, effortless athleticism. But Gardner is definitely a high-end player in this class, too. I think he's a top-ten pick. Before we continue our discussion, I want to let you guys know about Bill Barn. It's that time of year where a lot of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions, but not this year, guys. We have a way of being able to stick into our resolution of eating right thanks to Built Bar. It's almost like it's not really a resolution because you can actually implement this into your daily lifestyle. And have you tried the puffs? If you haven't tried the puffs, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar. They are a treat and covered in 100% real chocolate like the rest of the Built Bars. Go to build.com and scroll down to see the macro chart. 
you'll be blown away. Higher protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Most Bill Bar contains 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually carries around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of those net carbs. Go to Bill.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Bilt.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back, Locked On Texan fans, viewers, and listeners out there. Again, joined by PFF's Austin Gale. Make sure you guys are checking out Hutch wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, I want to look at some of the outside the top first-round players. And while doing some of my research, I found this quote from you, Austin. If he went to a Power 5 school, people would have him as a legitimate first-round talent. This was in regards to Sky Moore. These were your words. And you also compared him to Golden Tate. I thought that was a very interesting comparison. Can you go more in-depth with that analysis? And does Moore and Houston make sense at 37? Absolutely. I think if Sky Moore is available to the Houston Texans at 37, I think that's great value. I think he's getting underrated because we did not see him against top flight competition, right? Playing at Western Michigan and also was is too young, right? Came out early to be invited to an all-star bowl. I think if Sky Moore goes to the senior bowl, he's a, a consensus first round player. I think if he plays for Ohio state or any of these power five teams, he's a consensus first round player. It's a lot of, you know, you talk about projection with Trayvon Walker, right? People are projecting if he plays this position, what will his production be? If he can add pass rush moves, what will his production be with Sky Moore? It's like, if he played in the big 10, what was his production be? You know, if he played in the ACC, would he have the same success that he had at Western Michigan? I believe he would. I think he's really, really explosive. His 10 yard split, the 40 yard, um, his 10 yard split, the combine is 97th percentile among receivers. He's short at five foot 10, but still long with over 31 inch arms. 195 pounds is a really good weight for the receiver position. So much shake in his routes, can do it after the catch, can create really, you know, separation at the stem. There's a good chance that Sky Moore is one of the more productive receivers in this rookie class, not just a sleeper wow. target at the top of day two. Like, I really wow. feel confident in his production. I think he can be a target, you know, target vacuum at the next level. Is Scott Moore one of those receivers that can go inside out? Yeah, I think so. I, I honestly think he can go inside and out. I think I want to play him on the outside. I think he has enough shake to do so and win the valuable routes. But if he starts his career in the slot, I think he'll eat there as well. Like, I think he's a very versatile player in that regard. Do you have any sleeper picks between rounds four to six that people should keep their eye on this year? I'm going to stay with the receiver class there. You know, Rutgers receiver Bo Melton's one of my guys this year. He's a former four-star <laughs> former four-star recruit from Jersey had offers to go to Michigan among other like high profile power five schools, but wanted to stay in Jersey commits to Rutgers has a lot of success runs those, you know, sub four, four at the combine. I thought his short shuttle and agility is at the pro day were also really impressive. I think he immediately can start in the NFL and to get a player that can probably was probably coming off the board, right. in late round three, top of round four, that can start at slot receiver, start on your football team. I, I think is really good value. I think a team that gets Bo Melton, and, and, and caters to his skill set and gets his targets. You know, I think he's they're going to have a lot of success. 
So for the Houston Texans, we are very inside offensive line needy, right? Between the tackles, left guard, right guard, uh, between the rounds of four and six, are there any guards that make sense and center position, depending on if they decide to address that uh, across this offensive line? Are there any sleepers or steals that Houston can go in between those rounds and, and bring out a, a very solid player? Absolutely, man. I love this uh, day three, like interior offensive line class, right? Even like late day two, Darian Kennard, who is this, you know, a tackle in the SEC for Kentucky, I think kicks inside the garden and has a lot of success early in his career. Same with Dylan Parham of Memphis, Jamari Salyer of Georgia. I, I really like those players kicking in the guard um, and, and playing at a high level in the NFL. I think Cole Strange of Chattanooga is this day three sleeper. Uh, Luke Fortner of Kentucky is another one. Luke Gadecki, Central Michigan, who I do think plays guard in the NFL, is another like really talented player that you expect to start early in his career. And when you look at into your offensive line and say you do have needs there and you're looking for players to start early, you can get starters on day two. You can get starters even at the top of day three, in my opinion, because of just, you know, other positions pushing them down, you know, positions of higher value and just how deep this class is at that specific spot. I want to circle back to the first round before we get out of here. Uh, why has Thibodeau draft stock fallen? It's wrong. I'll say that. If his, if, 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 I don't you. get it. I, I really Thank don't. You. Kayvon Thibodeau is a phenomenal player. I think he should be in the conversation for the number one overall pick. I think it's ludicrous that he's fallen for you know some of this conversation around his off-field interests. And I think the effort concerns on tape are over-exaggerated. A reporter here at PFF, Doug Hyde, interviewed a, a handful of executives in the NFL and you know, a lot of them feel very similarly, right? They feel that his effort isn't that concerning. He is a, you know, standout football player, a guy that can reach high ceilings in the NFL. So I definitely feel, you know, that he's been wrongfully pushed down boards and a team, if he does say fall outside the top five, is going to get a damn good football player that fell for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I haven't talked to him personally, so I haven't, you know, been able to glean a lot of like his character and all that kind of stuff. But from what I've heard, I, I think a lot of that stuff is exaggerated in terms of the reasons he's going down. And uh, I would definitely view him as a top five player in this class. Lastly, Austin, when we talked about the inside guard position, inside offensive line position, you mentioned that a lot of those guys are just being pushed down because of other positions being so deep. Which position is the deepest in this year's class, in your opinion? That's a great question. Um, I think the deepest might be receiver. I think there are a lot of really good, like high end wide receiver twos, right? I think there's, you know, twelve guys in this class that I think could start early on, right? And I think that's rare for a receiver class. Do I think any of them are as good as say Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith last year? Probably not. But I think a lot of these guys can come in and contribute, and I think that you know speaks to the depth. And also, I think, you know, what that really speaks to, John, is that, you know, more teams in college football are starting more receivers, right? 11 personnel has never been more common than it is now. So oftentimes you're starting three receivers and, you know, some teams even like increasing what they have in 10 personnel, they're putting receivers at running back. You know, you're getting so much experience from those, from those, that specific position group that you're just developing a lot of talent there though. So I do think this is going to be a really good receiver class from a depth perspective. It might be the deepest one in the draft. Which class, not class, I'm sorry, which position maybe the least deepest in this year's draft because I, I scaled the draft and in years past we were as fans and, and lovers of the game we were so enamored by the running backs that were coming out mm -hmm. the tight end group that was coming out right we had the uh the, the Howards we had you know a bunch of different tight ends that was coming out it kind of seems like this year both of those positions have kind of been put to the back and it's like, ah, oh, we're going to get you whenever we can.
Yeah. I, I think tight end and running back, there aren't spectacular prospects, but I think they are deep. I don't think it's not a deep group. I think the, the shallowest position group in this draft class is defensive tackle. I think after Devontae mm-hmm. Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Travis Jones, you're immediately getting to like project players, right? And then even beyond that, it's guys that can only defend the run, you know, or have weight concerns. So I, I don't think there, I think there's going to be, you know, when you think about Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, the two Georgia defensive tackles, and then Travis Jones of UConn, they might go a lot higher than people think because there's not a lot of really talented defensive tackles in this class, right? You can't look at this defensive tackle class and say, hey, if I don't get Wyatt in round one, I can get this player in round two, round three, and expect the same production. So I think that lack of depth could push Travis Jones into the first round. I think it definitely pushes Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis into the, into the top 20 picks. Which running back in this year's group is PFF just loving right now? It meets all the grades, yeah. meets everything that you guys want out of a running back. Who is it? Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, Kenneth the Walker. third Michigan State running back. He's our number one running back in the class right now. A ton of broken tackles in the power five. I thought he single-handedly took over that Michigan game, right? One of the few losses on Michigan's schedule this past year. Uh, I, I think he's a really good athlete. I think he breaks tackles. He's get yards after contact. Now, the reason I wouldn't draft him probably until round three is one, positional value. Obviously, that's something that PFF has hammered home. But the other piece of this, too, is struggles in pass protection. Not a really good receiver yet. And I think there isn't a back that's like super complete in that regard. So I think Kenneth Walker is my top back in this class because I'm so confident in his rushing ability translating to the next level. But I, I still don't love, you know, a lot of the rest of the running back class because there's not a lot of complete players and uh, both from a rushing pass protection and, and receiving standpoint. What about Bidet from Mizzou? Have you scouted him? And what do you feel about uh, what he can possibly be for the NFL? Yeah, Tyler Beatty, I, I think he's a really good receiving back. I think he's immediately going to offer a lot um, um, uh, receiving ability to a team. I think he's also decent, um, you know, catching the ball from the slot, right? I think he can do like a lot of different things. I talked to Mizzou head coach Eli Drinkwitz, and he wants to feature him as much as he can, right? He wants to get him the football and, and get him a ton of touches because he's just so good as a pass catcher. So that's super important in the, in the NFL. Do I love his rushing ability? No. Like, would I probably wait till day three to take a player like him? Yeah, but I still like him as a player. And, you know, it's it's the nature of the running back position, right? You know, only four running backs last year played more than 60% of the team's offensive snaps. You know, like, you, you're not drafting starters anymore. You know, the, gone are the days are guys that get, you know, half the league has running backs with over 400 carries. You're drafting complementary pieces to a backfield. Beatty can complement a backfield that already has, you know, high-end rushing threats and those things. Everybody, that was PFF Austin Gale. Uh, again, make sure you're checking out the Hutch while he's following Aiden Hutchison, uh, consensus, not consensus, but one of the top picks in this year's draft. Uh, check him out everywhere on the PFF website. Aiden, I'm sorry, not Aiden, Austin, where can everyone find you on Twitter uh, with your social media work? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, check out PFF.com, right? A lot of really good content on PFF.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. I have a podcast tailgate and a new podcast with Aiden Hutchinson that came out today, which is super exciting. Wednesday, April 13th. Check it out. It's called Hutch. Wherever you get your podcast, it's also on PFF's YouTube channel. John, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for stopping by the Locked On Texas. And let's keep this communication open because post-draft is where we may need to bring you back on so we can discuss the Houston Texans draft and whether or not they won Uh, or they look forward to next year's draft as well. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you.